ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am your host, Cheats. As always, the mixtape is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. We are in our headquarters at Common House in Richmond, Virginia. Before I go any further, I want to thank everyone for the tremendous support and ask you to do me a favor, do the show a favor, go rate the podcast, subscribe, share it with your friends, rate us five stars if you can. I I had one four-star rating, and I'm still trying to track that person down. I'm trying to find them. I'm trying to make sure everything is good. I want to make sure I can get that four to a five. And look, if we can't get that four to a five today with the guests that we have, we ain't going to ever do it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest. I told y'all at the beginning of the year, I had a list of dream guests. This gentleman has been on the list. He's been on my radar for a while. If you don't know, you got to check the stats because we're talking 20 years in professional baseball. We're talking 17 years in Major League Baseball, not to mention the the, the ups and downs and travels and turns that we're going to get into all of that. We're talking a World Series championship, a no-hitter pitched under his belt, an all-star appearance, and a league-leading 14 Major League Baseball team. That's that's right, 14. I'm talking to E-Jack, Edwin Jackson himself. Welcome to the mixtape, my brother. I'm so glad to have you on. Cheeks, what's up, man? I appreciate that introduction, man. You know, you gotta run it all down. That's all I need to have of it. I'm sure. I, I hear you. Yeah, the career. Hey, so many stops. You could talk forever just on the intro. <laughs> oh, man. Let me. Blessed to be here, man. Let me ask you this. This is the first question I was thinking about. What's a good first question to ask you? And I'm gonna go this way. Everybody knows the history. Everybody knows 14 teams. Is there a team in Major League Baseball that you didn't play for that you would be like, man, I really wish I had got to rock with them? All of them. Because every time you get to put on a jersey, man, it's a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, oh. On that jersey, man. I mean, there isn't a team that I didn't play for that, uh, that I would say I didn't want to play for. You know? Uh, right. You can't take it for granted, man. Getting to put on that jersey, you can't take it. You can't um you can't get complacent about it. So it's a luxury to be able to put on. It's a privilege to be able to put on any jersey that you put on. And I always took it that way. That's I like it. I like that. That's a that's a good <laughs> answer. That's a very, very diplomatic as well. But I like it. I like it. <laughs> no, I will say I got to put on that Braves jersey, though. You know, so when you get to put on a hometown jersey, you know, it hit a little it hit different. I, I hear you. I hear you. Let me start with what's happening and how. I think a lot of people are identifying you now and then we'll go back. We'll talk about your career and your journey, but you are a founding board member of the players alliance. And we're always on this site. Hey, we got to keep it front of mind. We want to talk black baseball. We want to talk about black participation. We want to talk about black representation in all aspects from top to bottom. When we hear about the players alliance and I see the great work that the players alliance is doing and has done and will continue to do what should people know about the Major League Baseball Players Alliance that people don't know? And tell us a little bit about your history and, and how you got involved with it. Oh, man. Uh, you know, um, I feel like when you hear Players Alliance, uh, it was founded by uh, myself, D. Gordon, and Cam- Cameron Maven. 
Um, you know, I think when people hear the players' lines, they should know that we are with the people. You know, we are the people. Um, we come from the same backgrounds that some of these people that we're going out and talking to um, come from. We can relate to some of the same struggles that these people are struggling with. Uh, most of us are country boys. You know, we we didn't grow up with a lot of money, so everything that they're going through is super relatable. You know, we didn't been there at some point, and you know, we were blessed to make it out of the situation to be able to come back and give back to the community and. Uh, you know, keep keep preaching inclusion because we feel like um, anything that's done in baseball that we can do that as a as a culture. You know, and how has the response been from? I, I know from you said you're for the, you're with the people, and that is absolutely true. I know what the response is from the community. What has the response been in working with baseball baseball officials on a, such a specific mission? Because it is to root out inequality and add diversity to the game. Um, I feel like it's been dope, man. It's, it's been it's been dope. Um, MLB, um, MLBPA, they've been super on board on what we have going on. And at the end of the day, I mean, when you have a group of black players like we have and we going out into the communities, um, we we know the issues that we dealt with. So when we hear these issues coming from the community, um, we feel them. You know, we lived it. We ain't we ain't going out doing something that we didn't live. You know, we're not going out um, speaking about stuff that we didn't go through. And I feel like when you've been in there and you lived it, it's different when you speak on it because you've been there. You know, you when you speak on something that you never had to deal with, um, I feel like you you don't necessarily lose the respect from people, but the response isn't the same because they like how you know you ain't go through this. You know right. what I'm saying? It's it's like going through and telling somebody to live in the hood about hood problems if you've never been in the hood. You know, it's not going to it's not going to be reciprocated the same. So um, the, the when we go out and we talk, man, I feel like it's felt in um, our our partners. You know, they've been they've been super on board with it, man. So it's been a dope response. And that that's that feels good for us because we know we have some backing. You know, what's the biggest need you see when it comes to baseball in the community? I, I have a li- I have a laundry list <laughs> of things that I feel like can be or should be kind of either highlighted or emphasized when it comes to our community in the game of baseball. But when you're out there, you're doing the work, you've got a bunch of Major League Baseball players with you, what is the biggest need that you see to get people to relate back to our game? Man, that's a good question, man. And I feel like it's so many, it's so many <laughs> answers, so many answers to this. But um, I feel like a lot of it, man, is opportunity. You know, and I know people like they all have opportunity, but everybody doesn't have the same opportunity that's afforded to some other people. You know, what I'm saying um, if you're not seen and you unheard of, you don't have that same opportunity as your know, higher prospects that's coming from Perfect Game or any of these other big big tournaments that's being seen nationwide. Uh, you got so many diamonds in the rough. Like myself, I was a diamond in the rough. I mean, from Columbus, Georgia, I wasn't highly scouted. Um, I had no clue I was getting to the league, but I, uh, fortunately, I had um, a couple of friends on the team, you know, Nick Long and Steven, they were getting scouted. So I was seen that way, man. And that's what I speak on when I say opportunity, because you got some boys out here can play but they don't have the opportunity to be seen. Obviously you have expenses and you have equipment and you have all that, but you can have all that stuff. And if you don't have the opportunity, nobody know about you. So, so how do we bring, I, I've spoken to a lot of folks uh, at MLB who are working really hard, man. They work, they just had, they just came off the dream series. Um, you know, they're talking about what they're going to do even this particular year at the all-star game with King Griffey jr. And spring man, they're like swing man classic. Um, but, how do we bring more 
uh, opportunity for what you're talking about. Because what you're talking about, and I know because I see it, is, right. yo, gloves are expensive. Bats are expensive. Travel ball teams, if it's not funded, I can't, I can't, as a parent, I can't fu- fund a whole travel ball operation. How, like, is it, is it kind of, do we work more with sponsors? How do we get those opportunities to, to make sure that kids just have the fundamentals? Man, hopefully that's where we come in as the Players Alliance. Man. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so many people that have uh, great organizations already um, around and mm-hmm. us as the Players Alliance, we don't need to recreate the wheel. You know, it's already there because you have a lot of people um, that have programs going on. So for us, I feel like it's us to just boost them, you know, give everybody mm-hmm. that helping hand that's needed, you know what I'm saying, to uprise what they have going on and and for us to go and tap into these communities and duck off into places that aren't only ducked off into um, like your Mississippi's, your Georgia's, you know, your deep South where people don't really have, I mean, the the struggle is real, you know, um, where we can go in and we can kind of give these kids um, a chance and and hope, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, you can give all the equipment, you can give all that, but we need to put that, we need to help put people in positions to where they can, to where they can succeed. And, um, for us, I feel like it's going in, and we got to be hands on feet, hands on the ground, uh, feet on the ground, and we got to be hands on. And that's what we have with the players' lines. You know, we have the powers and numbers, obviously, with the with the members that we have. But our members and our players, they ready to get into these communities. Uh, right. They're ready to go head first, you know, and dive in and help, you know, highlight some of these kids in some of these small towns that wouldn't normally be highlighted. Like, uh, for instance, we went to. Uh, we just did a little project in the Delta in Mississippi. You know, we helped improve four fields. We gave, uh, we helped some over 600 kids, you know what I'm saying, with um, uniforms, equipment. We had match money to do so. And that's their first improvement in over 40 years. Mm. You know, there's so many people that don't even know about the Delta. And right. we have places like that all over, you know, where we can kind of come in and help uh, imprint something and, and, you know, help pave a way for some of these kids to be seen. Let me ask you this. If everything goes according to plan, right? Everything with the players alliance goes according to plan. Y'all, y'all are doing what you need to in the community, say like five, 10 years from now, what is, what do you hope to see if, if everything goes well? I hope to see um, that 6% of black players on the field. I want to see, I hope to see that number improve um, significantly. To what? I'm not sure, but I want to see that rise. I mean, it, it needs to rise. I want to see, um, I want to see black people um, on an analytical side. I want to see black grounds crew. I want to see uh, black ownership. You know, we want to, we want, um, we want inclusion in all aspects of the game. You know, because I feel like we have people that are qualified to do so. You know, um, and I feel like we have people that can get in there and do a great job in all aspects of the game. So I want to see on the field and off the field improve um, with, with some of our people in there, in those positions. You know, you cracked the code in a way that I don't think maybe even you realize you cracked the code. You probably realize it. I'm, I'm also sure. But you cracked the code in a way that I think people in general aren't looking at black participation, especially in the major leagues, as an issue. And what I mean by that is 17 years in pro ball, that's retention, right? 
And I think we always hear in other sports, oh, the average NFL career might be a season and a half, two seasons. You know, the average career in the NBA might be for this. What people, I think, don't fully understand about baseball and what, like, we can get, and I'm very excited about the young crop of players that are getting drafted, that are coming up, that are coming out of these programs, and they're going to be major league players. But there's this crop of veterans that I think is almost like like when we say the forgotten middle class, like if you're not Mookie Betts or Tim Anderson or so forth, there's this middle that that seems to be harder. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be harder to stay in the major leagues. Um, And so I think people don't realize how much that affects our black players because it'll be like we get every year we get excited about the rookies. I do the same. But it's like, man, is that is that vet going to be able to hold on with this crop of folks coming up, especially if they're not, you know what I'm talking about, upper, upper echelon type players. And and so I guess I'll ask the question this way, because is that is that even a thought? I know it's been a thought in your mind, like I want to stay every year, but is that a thought for vets that'd be like, man, it looks like they can get players cheaper. You know what I mean? The baseball contracts, after you get a certain year on the veteran side, gets kind of crazy. So it's like, is that something that black players talk about, like that retention piece? I feel like it's important, man. Um, if you coming up as a young black player and you don't have any black veteran leadership on the team, who you go to? You know what I'm saying? I was fortunate enough. I mean, my first locker mate was Ricky Henderson and Fred McGriff. So I'm Ooh. on the team. I'm on the team. Legend. 20 years old. 20 years old, just turning 20, no bass in my voice, you know, no hair on my face. And I get to come up and I got two legends, you know, um, the kids coming up now, who they look up to. If if you come to the clubhouse and you're the only black on the team, who you look up to, who you, who you go to for guidance, you know, you can go, you can go to another player, but it ain't, it ain't the same as if you go into a black player that you feel like you relate to the same problems you go through. Um, the messages you receive, they're not going to be received the same, you know? And so that is super important. And I feel like it's something that's lost in the game. And that comes when you have a decline in black players, it take away from a lot of aspects of the game that people don't realize. It ain't just the playing uh, because I mean, 70% of the game is mental. So when you going, when you struggling mentally as a black player, you don't have a black player to go talk to you go, you struggle more because you, you keeping all that information inside. You got, you can't let it out. And uh, I think that's vital. That's a, that's a, it's a real vital piece to the game. You know, what's crazy is, you know, that cause you lived it firsthand. Uh, I, I, I can see that by looking at the numbers real, like real talk. Do you think GMs and ownership and so forth understand how difficult that that is if if there's a a hot prospect African American that may not have any vets on the team. Do you think like organizations are are even seeing that connection? Because you just hit on something that probably could make a a, a whole generation of young players better, right? If they had that vet veteran mentorship. But do you think the clubs know that? I think um I think some do, but yeah. it goes back to unless you unless you are a black GM you don't feel it the same. So Ooh. seeing feeling it is different. You know what I'm saying? Because you can see everything, but until you feel it, it hit different. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it, I think it, it's something that's getting brought up a lot, you know, nowadays. So if they didn't know, they definitely know now. But you ask Kenny Williams with the White Sox, 
Oof. You ask about it, and his response is going to be, and not saying that nobody else is passionate, because you do have a lot of passionate mm-hmm. GMs and owners, but it's not going to be as passionate as somebody who's black in that position trying to convey the same message. You know, and, and that's not knock on anybody. That's just how it is. That's just... Yeah, no, that's real talk. You know what I'm saying? So I think it, it, it's... it's it's a subject that's out there now and it's on the map and it's being talked about a lot more. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully we can come in and, you know, we can, we can switch up some numbers here and there and we can make a difference in, in the game and the way it's, it's transcending. What's the best advice you mentioned, Ricky Henderson and Fred McGriff, your, your, your rookie season. What's the best advice a, a vet gave you about preparing yourself for pro baseball in, in life? Man, I, I think the biggest advice is um, it's a game of failure. Don't be afraid to lose. Mm. Go out there. You're here for a reason. Um, don't change who you are, but you still have to make adjustments without changing who you are. And that's hard to do for a lot of people because they don't know how to receive that. It's like, well, you want me to change, but you don't want me to change. <laughs> you know it, but it's I look at it as evolving, you know, because we all change. If you ain't changing, you ain't getting better. Just mm. point. So, and we coming out as youngsters, and we have to realize how to how to transition from being a kid to a grown man. Because once you get to the league, it's a grown man's game. Mm. Uh, and you, some of the things that you used to do, you can't necessarily do. Um, but you still have to be able to be yourself and walk into any clubhouse and still know how to walk a thin line between being yourself and not being too much of yourself, if you know what I mean. But I think that's the thing that you have to learn how to do, man. You just have to learn how to be yourself without, um, without overstepping any boundaries. And, and that's hard for a lot of these kids because they feel like they have to change who they are to fit in. And it's not that you just have to know how to do things different, you know, how to articulate things different. Uh, I mean, you ain't, it don't mean changing your voice. You don't have to talk a certain way. I can mm. talk like this, but I can articulate a message to where it doesn't come off as I'm being an angry black man, you know? Mm. So I think that's something that's learned throughout the game. And, and I was taught that at a young age, you know, um, you don't have to change who you are, but you just have to change the way you do certain things. I'm sure at times the answer would be yes, but throughout the majority of your career or even the full length of your career, um, different different places, different cir- circumstances, um, you probably felt isolated in some ways being a black pitcher <laughs> in Major League Baseball. How did you navigate some of uh, not like you said, not the physical stuff on the field, but how did you navigate some of the the mental elements of you know, just looking around and not seeing people that related to you in a certain way or related to your culture, but still know you had to come out and perform at the highest level that you possibly could. How did you battle through some of those uh, mental challenges? I think I kept a by any means necessary mentality. Mm. Uh, um, you got to come out and get it done. You're a professional. Nobody want to hear your excuses. And I, I had to pick up the phone. If I didn't have nobody in the clubhouse, I was I was I was um afforded opportunity. I can pick up, I can call CC, I can pick up, I can call Dontrell Willis, I can call black pitchers. Um, I could even learn from a David Price who came in under me, but I'm like, man, this boy come in, he got some jelly. Like, mm-hmm. let me learn, let me learn something from him. Uh I was always eager to learn, but I think that the biggest part is man, you, you pick up the phone and call. If you don't have the resources right there in your clubhouse, 
I feel like as, as black men, we, we have so much pride that we don't want to call anybody. We've been taught, you know, hold everything in. Don't show emotions when actually you got to do just the opposite. Because if you hold everything in, you're going to sink. You know what I'm saying? We got we to express yourself. You got to get it out, whatever it may be. Um, but I pick up that phone and I call, man. If I have something and nobody was in the clubhouse get answered, hey, Trail, I need to holler at you for a second, man. You know, you got to use our resources and we got to use our brotherhood that we have um, around us, you know, to get information. And I did that. But I was lucky to early on in my career, I did have a lot of blacks in the clubhouse. I had a lot of a lot of friends I could go to, you know, and that's what I'm saying. When you when you um, when you look at them numbers and you see the decline, a lot of these boys coming up now, they don't they ain't afforded the same luxuries to be able to have somebody in the clubhouse that they can talk to. Because me, I didn't care if it was a pitch or not. If I saw somebody I can talk to, they can relate what I'm going through as a person, then, you know, it helped me. Because more times than not, when you're going through stuff, uh, you have off the field stuff that sure. um, that leads to on the field, you know, sure. so it's even deeper than just on field. You had to take a step back and look out what was going on around you that's causing you not to be the same on the field. And that, and honestly, that's a credit to you um, as a person, because like you said, black men don't really pick up the phone. And it's not all of us are professional baseball players, but I mean, they could be going to do something with their family and they still don't pick up the phone and call somebody that they can be like, yo, let's talk, let's talk through this. And we see this every day in our community that that's like one of the biggest challenges in our lives. Like they're internally going crazy, but all they could do is like pick up the phone to call their man and be like, yo, I got to talk to you about something more important than who won the game Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Like, let's talk through some things. I had to get to a breaking point before I did it too. So I (laughs) understand it because I didn't want to feel like I was a burden to anybody. I'm like, man, I don't want to call this man talk about my problems. So I'm guilty (laughs) of it too, you know? uh, But once you get to a breaking point, what you You got to do. You You got to do what you got to do. You have to do what you have to do. And that's where the by any means necessary come into play because you got to suck up pride and you're like, man, I, I need that voice. I need that voice to hear on the other side of the phone. They, they done been there. They can they can talk me through some things, or you know what I'm saying. And they maybe have been through the same problem that I'm going through, and they can give a little give a little advice on how to handle it. No, you're exactly right. You're, you're exactly right. Let me switch to the opposite end of that spectrum and ask you, what was the happiest time? If you could isolate some of the most joyous times you had on the baseball field, not not look not just the no hitters. Uh, but like when you were like, yo, the, the situation I'm in now just makes me feel excited to go and have have a great time at the ballpark. Man, I feel like it all involved family. Um, like my debut, I, I have my family, my mom, my dad, my two sisters uh, in attendance. Um, World Series, my wife, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but my wife now was there. She was pregnant with my first son. Uh, my hundredth win, I had the whole family there in entirety. So that was those are the for them for me, when I can have my family to enjoy the moments with me, uh, the moments priceless. Uh, not to discredit any other accolade, but when you have the family around the, the cherish your moments with you and the cherish the memories with you, uh, it hit different. Absolutely. And don't look, and I, I I heard, I'm pretty sure this is accurate. You debuted your first start was on your birthday? Birthday. <laughs> it, had, it had all your people there. What a birthday, you know what I'm saying? It's like a movie script. Like you can't make it up. You couldn't make it up. You can't make it up. And then the win against Hall of Fame Randy Johnson, you know, um, 
perfect, perfect storybook um, start to a career. That's fantastic. Let me ask you this before we switch gears. What what was something that you changed routine-wise? I'm sure it's a lot, but what did you change routine-wise from the first five years you were in the pros and then fast forward to the last, say, three years that you did the pros? So you got young, 20, 20 to 25-year-old Ejac ready to throw every time to the last three years. What would you say was like the biggest change in your approach to the game? Man, routine. Routine, uh, by far. Uh, I feel like earlier on in my career, I didn't have a routine. I mean, maybe I did some things the same way, um, not knowing, but uh, routine and having a set routine. Not not overkill, but certain few things that I do to get myself ready to go. Um, that, that was big for me. Um, I feel like when I had a routine, I, I I can I can, I had a I had a, a segue into the game. You know, I was already prepared. The game was the easy part. And not saying that it's easy because I done all the work the four days in between leading up to the game. Um learning how to learning how to look at video, learning how to decipher what I want to use, what I don't want to use in scouting reports, um, learning how to look at a picture and uh see how we we are similar, you know, in our pitching styles and how he pitched to a team and how I can use my artillery to uh, pitch to the team the same way because we may still have certain pitches that we use differently. So I think it's just how to break down everything with myself and use it to the best of my ability to uh, go out and win. This is a point of contention about your career. And I want to ask you about this because that is a point of contention in the sense that I don't think this is true. So I'm going to ask you an open-ended question that you can tell me. How many pitches did you use? Man, when I started off, I used two. I had a change. I had a That's what I heard. I was like, there's no way he used two and pitched 17 years in the pros. I started off as a two-pitch pitcher. Um, Later on in my career, as I I developed and as I, um, you know, I evolved, it got up to five pitches, you know, you know, so I got fastball slider is what I was known for. Right. I had a, I had a changer, but it wasn't good. Then I learned how to throw a changer. Then I'm like, okay, I can use this pitch. Then you throw a curveball. Then you throw it, then you mix in a cutter. And then as you get older, these dudes start knowing you like they study in film, like you study in film. So I was like, what else can I throw? But I started off with two and I ended up with like five. How, <laughs> how many years were you a two pitch pitcher? Ooh, I would say the first probably six years of my career. That's crazy. And That's I had crazy. Throw the change up, but nah, it, it was show pitch. But by the first six years, <laughs> I was and I just try to throw the change up just to get them off my other stuff. Nah, man. I, that's awesome. That's I heard that, and I was like, there is no way that man was 17 years in the pros with two pitches. But then again, look. Rivera went to the Hall of Fame with, with, with two pitches, right? That's crazy, though, because a bullpen, and a, as, as a relief pitcher, you can do that. You, most relief pitchers probably only use two pitches. Yeah, uh, but you were not that. As a, as a starter, man, you got to have you got to have a few pitches. You got you need at least three pitches you can throw for strikes. You know, <laughs> they have the confidence to throw at any time because you get you get predictable. You got two right. pitches that you cut down your options of um, predictability. Now they can kind of decipher, okay, maybe he's going to throw this, but you add more to the artillery and the repertoire, you got a little bit more to play with. You know? <laughs> Growing up, who was the most exciting baseball players for you? Who did you Who did you look up to and want to see? 
Man, that's crazy because I was a position player. I got drafted mm-hmm. in the outfield. Um, right. Me being a Braves fan, um, it was Fred McGriff. It was Dave Justice. It was um, Andrew Jones. You know, mm-hmm. always wanted to be Andrew. Um, those those kind of people I looked up to, um, you know, we had TBS. So we see all the Braves games. Uh, and I feel like I definitely wanted to be Andrew Jones because he played center field. I played center field. So I was like, I, I want to be Drew, you know. I want to be Drew, go out there, have some range, make the plays, throwing people out. But um, that, that that was who I looked up to as a youngster. That was, and and then, those are those are some fun teams. Yeah, those are some fun day, teams. Dave Justice, Fred McGriff. I knew I wasn't the first base, but I like watching them, you know, just because I knew they was brothers and they was doing their thing with the Braves. Right, right. Now I'm in I'm in Richmond, Virginia. We've had for years we had the Richmond Braves, which is a triple A affiliate. And so we would see, but we had, you know, the Ron Gantz or Terry Pendleton's, uh, they all came through. And again, like you were saying, going to the games and seeing that team with people that look like us. Just swag that like the Braves has the nineties Braves has some swag. Man, so, so and, and for for a long time, I thought Andrew Jones was like I thought he was a brother. I thought he was right. American. <laughs> you know, I thought he was I thought he was American. You know, I hear him talk and I'm like, all right, Andrew Jones, he American. Then I found out I'm curious. So I'm like, okay, he he black. But it, I thought he was American. It was the U. The U threw me off. When I saw yeah. the Andrew with the U, I was like, hold on now. I never did even see, I never did even pay attention to the you. I just saw <laughs> Drew. I just saw Andrew Jones. Drew right. Jones, you know. But, oh uh, man, that's hilarious. I told him that story too. I told him I was like, man, I thought you was from the states. I, t- I had a chance to play with him with the White Sox, man. So that, that's dope. And I talked to him like, man, I always thought you was from America, man. Until I found out, curious. I'm like, all right, because his English was pretty good. I'm like, yeah, he. Had- but I guess I didn't pay attention to the accent, man. I was young, not even paying attention to everything going on. But uh, he he was always he was always one of the hell of a player, man. I used to like to watch him play. He was excited. Uh, so you've got you've got to play with a ton, a ton of players. But you mentioned you got to play with Andrew Jones. You mentioned you got to play with Ricky Henderson, Fred McGriff. Is there someone that to this day still was like, man, I can't believe I walked in a clubhouse and I got to play with this cat? Man, Ricky Henderson. <laughs> that's right. You know, uh Ricky name was known around baseball. It didn't, it didn't matter where you was from. You knew Ricky. Um, I, I would say him, then Andrew came after him, but what what him I mean Fred McGriff. I watched I grew up watching Fred McGriff too. So to have both of them as my locker mates and, and you know, sitting right next to him. Like man, I'm talking to Ricky Henderson. You know, you playing cool when you're around him. Then you get off, get home, and you calling your boys. Like, bro, guess who I'm sitting next to? Right, <laughs> you know right. Guess who my locker mate is? I'm, I'm next to damn Ricky and damn Fred. You know, uh, you got to play it cool in front of them. Though you can't be that. Can't be, <laughs> can't be smart you, that's what you did. You know, you play, you play the cool. That's what you did. You didn't come in there oh, on some. Yeah, man, it was different times of baseball. I said I'm I had I still had the Erickson phone. Uh, I was <laughs> a professional snake player. A lot of people don't know about snake, but on that phone, right. uh, on the game you had at the time. So I be, I was I was I was dope at snake because I come to the field, <laughs> get my workout in, sit in my locker, speak when spoken to, and you know, uh, try to make myself not be seen until it's time to play. Here's here's a, here's a question that again, like, almost like the first question that. Uh, you're very diplomatic. You're probably going to be very diplomatic on this one as well, but let, I'm going to ask anyway, because we just had the Hall of Fame voting. Like you said, Andrew Jones made a huge jump 
it's only, uh, it might be only a matter of time, but they made a huge jump. Uh, so think about the EJAC Hall of Fame. Just think about your Hall of Fame. And you had to go in to your Hall of Fame. What hat do you wear? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a good question. I, oh, man, if I had to go in with one hat. <laughs> but like you can put like the New York patches on all the joints. Man, um, either probably either, mm, I mean, Detroit or Tampa, just because you know, uh, success has some good times there. Um, it, it'll probably be one of them, too, even though I would want to say, let me wear my Braves hat because I'm a Georgia. Boy. Um, or you know what? I will no, I'll take that back. It'll be the Dodgers. That was they the dra- first they draft you. It would be, the, I'll take that back. It'll be the Dodgers because that's, I mean, that's where I started my career. Like, um, I retired on the same day I came in and go out in the Hall of Fame with the same team you came in. That, that'd be dope. So I'll I take that back. It'll be the L.A. hat, that blue. <laughs> Let me ask you a couple of very fun, quick hitting questions. But the, as you can tell, they probably won't be so won't be so quick. But look, <laughs> let me start with this one. If you had the choice, whether right. to be a Major League Baseball general manager, so you control a club and you're trying to win the World Series, or you had the choice to be commissioner of baseball, which one do you choose? I choose a GM. I got, I got I got control over one one entity. You know, I could put my attention all into one 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 thing. Commissioner, he got to spread his attention. He got it in baseball, but he has a lot. Um, I could I could put all my I could put all my energy into you know one organization and try to try to you know take it somewhere. If you could change one rule about the game, what do you change? Oh, man. <laughs> uh no warnings if you if you if you buzz somebody. <laughs> hey, we'll be starting brawls all over the all over the field. Well, no th- well look, this is a good question to ask you because my audience gave me a little bit of a hard time this week because I I asked a question. I I I I admit I framed the question wrong, but I asked a question about the Ronald Acuna home run trot. You seen the Ronald Acuna home run trot in, in Venezuela. Uh, so I asked the question to my man, uh, Xavier Shrugs X. I was like, is it wrong if the pitcher hits him next time? <laughs> and everybody was like, what are you talking about? Of course it's wrong. Of course it's wrong. I was legitimately asking the question. But as a pitcher, and you see that type of home run trot. Now, and again, there's two sides of this: excitement, joy, having letting the people let Steph cook, let everybody cook. But is there is 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 there a is there a line there? How do you, when you saw that as a pitcher, what do you think? Man, you know what? Uh, that, that's a tough one, man. Because I came up in old school baseball, man. I came up. My this this is how I look at it. Every home run I didn't give up. I'm probably looking at the ball because I want to see where it land. So mm. when I'm talking. About it later on, I'm like, man, let me see how far he hit this ball. If I turn around and you only two steps out the box, because I never seen nobody pimp nothing. Everybody like, where you see him pimp? Like, oh, I was looking at the damn home run. You look at the ball. How far it go? But if I turn around after watching the ball land and you just not coming out the box, then I know you to sit there watching it as long as I done watched it, and that's an mm. issue. That's why I say the warning is about him. You, you say I ain't say the warning is about hit people because mm. like, you miss them. Uh, let's give him, give him a warning, you know. I mean, not give him a warning, but uh, 
and all my boys position players, but that's why I say um it, it's the game is the game is changing, man. You go to win, you play winter ball, you have pitchers, uh, rest in peace, Jose Lima. Jose Lima strike you out, he did his little dance and absolutely, like, absolutely. It's a different game at winter ball, and and, and the, the level of disrespect probably depends on the pitcher. You got some pitchers that don't care about it, some that do. But I look at it like this: like if you you pimp me, I pimp you back. Don't be mad, right? Yeah. Right? Because that's what that's what most people told me. Next time up, strike him out, then you can celebrate and do whatever you want to. You going extra? You pointing bad at me? You talking? You talking trash towards me? Then I'm like, oh man, that's personal. Like, is this personal? You know what I'm saying? This you, he got something. <laughs> But uh, that's why I say, man, the game, I mean, as, like I said, everything is going to evolve. The game is going to evolve. People want to see excitement, and that's going to bring the excitement to it. And you will hope that your teammates patrol their players, you know? is you That's that. a good question. Is that a is that a good thing in regards to moving the game forward? Do you think, uh, you know, just a little bit more excited. Do you think that element of ex- brings excitement to the game? Because you mentioned it, and we see it a lot in winter ball. You see it not just in Venezuela. You see it all across winter ball. That there's a lot of excitement and passion, but there's also a lot of stuff that that they just don't do in the states. Uh, I think I think it is, and the only hard part is is just when is excitement too much? When is it? When is it too much? You know what I'm saying? If I'm, <laughs> if I'm wrong. You probably, I would say, what football got the highest ratings out of all the sports? Sure, yeah, easy. Why is it? It's excitement every play. Every play, you got to have some excitement to the game. These kids getting young. Basketball, they celebrate when they shoot the threes. They throw up their threes. They, you know, they do football. They have all their little dances they can do. Baseball has to have some kind of excitement, and that's why I say it's just. Where does the line get drawn? And that's that's going to depend on the people on the field because you can sit and talk trash off the field all you want to. It's going to depend on that person on the mound if he feel like it was a little too disrespectful and everybody different. Old school players, they didn't you 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 took too long in a box and they knocking you down. You right. know, what I'm <laughs> but you gotta have a little excitement to the game, man. They 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 gonna figure it out though. They they they'll figure it out. They'll figure out when it's doing too much and when it's not. You know the game. The game will kind of patrol itself, and you hope it does at least. But you gotta have a little fun, man. You gotta have some fun. Make it make it a little exciting. Is there one over your entire career? Is there one or two that you still remember, like a a player, even if it was a player that you, you were kind of fairly cool with? But is there one where you were like, "Bruh, don't don't ever do that again." I think I can remember. Like I told you, I was watching the ball. <laughs> I really had too many people coming. Everybody watch it a little bit, but you give it a one, one thousand, two, one thousand, and you run. Maybe you might have like an Ortiz. He might do it a little longer, but it ain't gonna be disrespectful. You know, so right. I don't think I ever had something this disrespectful done to me on the mound from a home run. Okay, Not so you don't you look. So you don't have a list because a whole lot of people, <laughs> a whole lot of people have a list. I would have known because I probably would have had protections from, from hitting somebody if it was. You know, that's the area we came in. You, you pimp oh. something, or you hit one. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do something, you know what I'm saying, to get back. But uh, since I didn't really have any no get back story, I guess nobody really did nothing too disrespectful for That's a good point. That's a good point. Who, uh, who do you like to see now? What players do you look at the game down and say, yo, I'm going I'm to stop what I'm doing and check? Check these people out, these, these players out. Man, the list goes on. I feel like, man, this game is young, is fast. You got dudes throwing a hundred every every pitch almost. Oof. 
I look at it in in the aspect of from from pitchers because I mean I'm biased to pitchers. You know, I was a pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. I'm biased. Like man, when I see these guys going out, say for instance, like I see Verlander, he still got it. He's still going out. He's still competing. He just slightly older than me. I see that the Groms come out. But then I see, like you say, like these Acunas, um, I see um, these young boys, they hitting that. They hitting that ball. They turning it around, man. The list goes on. I feel like there's so many teams that stack with so many young players that it's fun to watch. And that's what's going to make the game exciting. These boys being able to throw 100 and these boys being able to hit 100 and turn it around. Um, like you say, look, think for us, this is last draft class that just came through. Yep. So, Boys about to be in the league. Some of the drills and the tomorrows, they about to be in the league in a couple of years. You know what I'm saying? You know, granted, they stay healthy and everything. And every year I feel like it's starting to, their draft class is starting to get better, man. So they, to watch these boys go out and do their thing is it's dope. Like the Michael Harris. As you come out there, Georgia boy playing for the Braves, come out there, look at his accolades, you know, in a young career. That's exciting to watch. I like watching him, man. It's a young brother doing this thing out there in the ATL. And a black player, the city need that. You know that's exciting. Need- that's exciting. And I think they, they they locked him up, right? The Braves locked him up. They already took care of him. They were smart. They <laughs> were smart. You know that that that's, <laughs> dude, that dude got a chance. You know, what I'm saying to be right there. Um, what Acuna is the face of the organization. You know, so it's good to see see a brother doing things in a, in a black city like that because the city need it. You know, give him a reason to want to watch the Braves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me let me get you out of here on a couple of these final, final questions, bro. bro I really appreciate your time. We're going to have to do this again when the season starts and talk about all the things that the Alliance is doing and, and what you're doing. So you ever thought about coaching? Nah, I, I, I'll be coaching my little the, my little man, little league team. That I, was I, I was going to be the next question, because you are a parent. Like, are you a competitive like can you watch your children play? Like, how does this work? You know what? I could watch him play, but I stand back. I feel like uh, when I'm at these games, man, you watch people who have been in the league, they're probably the most calm. Right. I feel like right. all, the, all the rowdy people is uh, the parents that live vicariously through the kids. It's like, yeah. man, you tell, you're telling your kid to do this, you scream at them, could you do that? I feel like most people that's been in a position, they know how hard the game is, so they chill. Uh, I'll be, be help coach the team. I'm going to help coach my little man team uh, this year with RT, and he used to play too. We played together with the White Sox, so he's going to be the head coach. Uh, I'll be assistant, man. I like I like the kids, man. I'm, I'm with the kids. Now, I could do a special assistant job. You know, I'm open. Anybody out there, I'm open for a little special assistant role. But uh, <laughs> coaching, coaching, I don't know. Man. I feel like uh, if I'm gone all the time, I would just keep playing. Right, right. Gone, and this is the time where the family, these kids, man, I've been gone half of their life, over half of their lives, and you know these are the important times of they of the years that they're having. So it's dope that I'm I'm here, and, and uh, you know I get to be a father, I get to be a dad. I'm a follow up on that because what is the best part about being a dad for you? Man, the best part of being a dad is is, is being able to uh, you know teach them and get them ready for life because they don't know what's coming for them. You know, um, you see ahead, you kind of, you can see down the road a little bit and we have been through a lot. Um, I get to, I get to prepare them for what's ahead of them. You know, they fortunate enough to be in a, a different position than I was in. And, you know, I just told my, I was told my son the other day, like, Hey man, you got a little bit, you know what I'm saying? You got a little bit, you're going to be a target when you on the field, just cause of your last name, just cause of who I am. They gonna, they gonna come at you. You gotta be ready to handle it. You know, you gotta be able to take whatever come with it. Well, do you, so, but like, do the kids know 
that like they know you as dad do they know like my dad was a pro player people might know but like because they like you could tell any of the other kids right to do this and it's like oh it's coming from a pro you tell your kid they'd be like dad go ahead on somewhere i feel like in that aspect my little man he don't want to hear too much from me so i let other people <laughs> but uh I feel like they just get into the age where they started going, they get to the school and they get around and people started telling like, oh, your dad is famous. And I ain't fa- I don't think I'm famous, but mm. so they just, they, they, I feel, I feel like over the last two years, they, they seeing their friends ask questions and they trying to come put two together. Like, ah, this is who you really are. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're, you're someone outside of dad. Yeah. Like my daughter asked me the other day, like, are you famous? You don't know. Do I feel famous to you? She's like, no. I said, well, nah. you? I said, there you go. go. Right there, you can't hide it forever. But man, we keep a, we keep a, we keep a loose house. Like we mm. keep a loose house. I stay grounded. I keep my kids grounded. And anybody to come in my house, they probably like, man, they some fools. Because that's who I am. You know what I'm saying? I, I got a nice group of friends. I got a close niche of friends who go who do a great job and everybody get it on everybody they don't care because i'm in the league it, it don't matter about the money it don't matter about position in life everybody gonna check everybody if we get out of pocket and that's what it kept me grounded through all these years having a um, close group of friends and family that i can go to that's, that's gonna put me in my place if i'm wrong you know i don't want to be you surrounded, go. By, surrounded by yes man i want somebody gonna tell me the truth so so you're a pitcher you faced a ton of hitters but if you could face any hitter in the prime of their career that you haven't faced, so living or dead, in the prime of their career, who would you face? Oh, Jackie. Just to say I pitched to Jackie Robs, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's to Barry Bonds. I done pitch, and, and to that point, it was probably Barry because that's probably the greatest hitter that I done pitched to. Um, mm-hmm. But the pitch to Jackie, you know, to, just to say, you know, I'll pitch to Jackie Robinson. That will be dope. The man who allowed my career to be where it is today. Now we get a chance to, you know, recreate a moment where I get a pitch to him. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Uh, finishing up, man. I really, really appreciate everything you're doing now. And obviously, with the prayers lines, everything you've you've done throughout your career. Uh, really, really, really an honor to talk to you. And we are going to do. We'll 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 set it up. We'll do it again when when the when the alliance has big things happening, especially during the course of the season. Uh, please let us know. We'll try to promote it. Let everybody know where they can follow the Players Alliance. They can follow you. Uh, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, he is one of the most interesting men. He's one of the most interesting followers. I, I, I followed him while he's doing all kinds of things. Uh, we got the Players Alliance. Um... On Instagram, um, you can email us at playersalliance.org. Um, anything you want, any information you need, it's on our website, um, theplayersalliance.org. But uh, yeah, follow us on our G, man. We go, we got some, we got some dope things in store for this year coming up, man. It's gonna be impactful, man. And like I say, we're going to the community. We ain't just sending money. We ain't just sending equipment. We're not just you know doing Zoom calls with kids. Um, we're there in person. You know, and I feel like when you're there in person, it hit different, you know, because they see you. We still, we older, but we still young enough to where they can relate to us. And when, when they can't relate to us, we bringing our, our youngsters coming up in the game and they can definitely relate to them. But man, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be out in the streets and in the communities um, firsthand and, and right there in physical presence. We got it. We got to leave it there. E-Jack, I really, really appreciate it. You made, well, look. One of my dreams came true on the dream list for 2023, man. So I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Knicks mixtape. 
as always, like I said, subscribe, follow, share. Until next time, we see it. Let's get Chiefs to that 100,000 followers. Let's go. <laughs> or I'll just take three. If I get three say, new ones. Say, say, hey, sister, it's 1,000. Say, start one at a I ain't got a big following. I got a few, but for, for IG, my following ain't big. Man, I'll, take, uh, I'll take three new followers, bro. Three new followers, I'm good. Oh, last thing, because I know you're a music guy. What are you listening to? Man, I'm listening to everything, man. I got I got a little for y'all don't know no Jabbo. Check out that Jabbo ENT, man. There you I, go. Is this co- complete game entertainment? This is, this is all man, you know, Jabbo ENT, yeah, a little complete game entertainment artist. There you I, go. I got some future in there, I got some Jeezy in there, man. You know what? I honestly I listen to everything, man. If you make a hit, you make a hit. I don't care what genre it is. If you look at my playlist, it's everything in there, man. I just like music. I feel like when you make good music, um, it doesn't really matter the genre. We all done been out and hear something that we don't know and be like, dang, what's that? Like, let me just say that. It ain't something I normally listen to, but you know, got some little future in there, man. You got the Metro in there. You got everything, man. Listen. All right. We got, look, we'll leave it there, but we'll look, we'll talk playlist next time. I really appreciate it. Gotcha. Hey, it was a pleasure being on, man. Bye.